Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And it is Share the Show Tuesday. Share the Show Tuesday is the day when we ask you on social media or in your personal life to share this show, tell people why you like it, tell people that you like it, tell people what it's all about. Basically, we go through the propaganda so you don't have to. We pull back the curtain and try to figure out why they're really pushing these stories on us. Not that they're not true. A lot of them aren't true, but some of them are. But it doesn't matter. It's in the news because they want to sway you. And if you're sick of that and you're ready for your scales to fall, the scales to fall off your eyes, or you just don't have the patience for the mainstream media anymore, we are here to bring you the top stories of the day without you having to curate them yourself. But we also like to build community. So on Tuesdays, I've started to tell people about some meetups. Uh, Greg at the Higher Side Chat set up a meetup site, which is really great. People can use it who are like-minded and want to meet uh listeners of the higher side chats, for example, but there are kind of piggyback podcasts there too, which is fun. So if you know anyone in Connecticut or Oregon, have them share the show with them. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you where the next meetup is. We've also got a few other things happening. I'm planning three meetups in April, one in New York, one in Massachusetts and one in, in Southern California. And, um, we have some live stuff. I think I have a locals live stream live at five on Friday. Maybe I'll figure out a cool cocktail, maybe a cool cocktail technique to show you. And uh, and we always broadcast live on Thursdays on Rockfin and Rumble. Yes. And we think about Share the Show Tuesday often as being something on social media. And it is. You can share it also in your physical real world life with your coworkers or people at the gym, just anybody who you think might be ready to see things a little bit differently in the news. Absolutely. So let's start them off with the first story of the day. Okay. Well, Biden gave a speech yesterday at the Business Roundtable, which is a roundtable of CEOs, leaders of businesses around the country. So that's important to remember, especially in this context of the Great Reset, where they are trying to control the world through the corporations. And he said some interesting things during this talk. Everybody is talking about his New World Order comment, which I will get to that in in a second. But first, I want to tell you some of the other notable things he said to kind of lay out the context. He said during his address, he was talking about Putin in Russia, and he said that Putin's back is against the wall and that as he continues to get pushed into a corner, that his actions are more likely going to be more severe in reaction. And he told them, as he's saying this, that Putin is preparing another false flag. And it's no joke. And he said that when he starts talking about how NATO or U.S. or Ukraine has chemical and biological weapons in Europe or Ukraine has them in Ukraine, that what that actually means is that Putin is about to unleash a biological and chemical attack. So that's what he's saying. So anytime we get accused of something, that just means that they are about to do it. That's what we notice. Right. Exactly. Which makes it hard to decipher truth because everybody's accusing people of doing something all the time. We notice that when our people, the U.S. government, accuses somebody else of doing something, especially conspiratorial or behind the scenes, it's like, wait a second, I don't know if that guy does it, but you definitely do it. Absolutely. And you know that what Biden was saying must be true because he ended it by saying, not a joke, not a joke. Yes. And 
Now, he said this in the context of these business leaders, right? Because he's talking about how it's their job. It's their job to stop doing business with Russia. It's their job to cut Russia off from the rest of the world. And he made an interesting comment. He said that we can't afford to prioritize shareholders at the expense of your stakeholders. In other words, what he's telling them to do is that you must stop doing business with Russia just because it helps your bottom line, your shareholders. You need to stop. The stakeholders are the broader world community, and therefore, you don't need to be making money off of Russia. This is straight from the Great Reset. It might as well have been Klaus Schwab up there giving this speech. These are not Joe Biden's words. Remember that when he speaks. He is not saying his own words. He's a puppet. And He also told them that it's their patriotic obligation to invest as much as they can into dealing with cyber attacks and that the government is ready to do a public-private partnership to help them out, just like during COVID. But this is what I brought yesterday to the XR. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the whole public-private partnership about critical infrastructure based on the cyber attack threat. But what I forgot was what I thought was maybe the next thing that they were going to do where they were going to do the next cyber attack. Remember when they had that colonial pipeline cyber attack yep, and it interrupted gas and that was a problem in the South. This There's a perfect storm brewing around the gas right. prices every week. It's a different thing. And I would expect that that's going to be the next one. But you know what? They're usually one step ahead of me on script writing. So Monica reporting right from the heart of the perfect political storm again, letting us know what's coming. And absolutely right. The cyber attack threat is all over the news today, and they're really trying to stir up some fear with it. At the end of the talk is when his New World Order comment came in, and this is what he said. He said, we are at an inflection point in the world economy, not just the world economy, the world that occurs every three or four generations. A general told me that 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and since then we've established a liberal world order, and it, and it hasn't happened in a long time. A lot of people have died, but nowhere near the chaos. Now is the time when things are shifting, and there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Now, he's talking to business leaders saying we have to lead it. Wow. Business leaders. Wow, that's we could be Where looking was at World this? War III. Where was this? It was on the World Economic Forum, or what was the roundtable? It was I a mean, business roundtable annual meeting that they have. But I mean, was it World Economic Forum? Oh, I don't know. I didn't watch on the World Economic Forum website, so I don't know if they were oh, the ones that hosted oh, it. Oh, okay. So, I was yeah, just wondering because I didn't see this widely reported. Yeah, no, it wasn't. People only talked about the New World Order comment. Oh, and the funniest part about the whole story was that immediately after he said it, you get this, quote, fact check on Twitter. And it was one of those where it was just a statement and an image by Twitter and there's no links or anything. So you can't click on anything. And here's what it said. It said, unfounded claims about the New World Order conspiracy theory are discussed as Joe Biden used the phrase as he spoke about the United States response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine during an address at Business Roundtable's CEO quarterly meeting. Fact checkers have regularly debunked claims connected to the conspiracy theory. The phrase is regularly used to describe times of change or cultural shift. And then they provide none of the claims about a conspiracy and they provide no debunks to anything. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Boy, that's explosive. It is. It's starting to look like we really could be in an, a World War Three. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different. I mean, that's than what the, a reset is. That's what they two. used yeah. it for. I, and I've been expecting for a while that like we're just going to come out of it just like those other wars. You have a remnant like us, but 
You know, it's of right tag. And to what you said a moment ago, there are articles now going around about the types of cyber attacks that the West fears the most. And I have three that the BBC laid out. And one of them is the Colonial Pipeline. As you mentioned, they referenced the Colonial Pipeline. Oh, really? Yeah. They said back in May 2021, a state of emergency in the U.S. was declared as, as hackers. They hacked the pipe, the oil pipeline and shut it down and that it cut off the supply and it caused a bunch of problems. And they say that the benefit of instructing a cyber criminals to carry out these types of ransomware attacks is to cause general chaos and in large enough numbers that they can cause serious economic damage. So they fear that they will attack something like that that will undermine the economy. That was one of the three possible attacks. And another one, they cited an example called Black Energy, which uh, is targeting critical infrastructure. And they said in 2015, Ukraine's electricity grid was disrupted by a cyber attack called Black Energy, which caused a short-term blackout for 80,000 customers of a utility company in western Ukraine. And that Russia could absolutely try and execute an attack like this against the West just to illustrate its capabilities. And then they also went on to talk about how they've been testing everything in Ukraine in the past. And I believe that. I'm sure they have been. I'm sure we have been as well, testing our capabilities because we can mimic the capabilities of others according to those release documents in Vault 7 a couple of years ago. And then the third one was called Not Petya. And they say that this type of attack is thought to be the most costly type of cyber attack in history. And they've blamed this type of cyber attack, which has happened in the past, on a group of Russian military hackers. And, of course, we blamed that on them. And they say it's a destructive software that can be hidden in an update of popular accounting software. And it, this was done in Ukraine. But it spread worldwide at the time, destroying the computer systems of thousands of companies and causing approximately $10 billion in damage. We actually covered this a, a couple months ago. It was called the WannaCry Worm. And it scrambled data on, a, on approximately 300,000 computers in 150 countries, including healthcare organizations and hospitals, which can cause real death. And I just... It's just so interesting to me that they continue to push us online and push this whole, you need to have a connected world and 5G and everything. And then we have parallel to that, these emerging cyber threats that could cripple and destroy all of these things that are trying to get us dependent on. Well, they're definitely pushing the cyber thing as another excuse for a lot of policy changes. Absolutely. Uh, So before I get to like some really weird story I read, which I think you did bring before. I figured this wouldn't have gotten past your radar about the guy, the Capitol riot suspect who went to Belarus seeking asylum. Um, He was finally granted asylum, by the way. But before we get to that, I want to just uh, give people an update on this Katanji Brown Jackson Supreme Court Senate hearings. Uh, She first of all, the headline was she says Roe versus Wade is settled law, which is a direct quote from Kavanaugh, which, you know, the conservative hero had already said that. So that was an easy way for her to say that and get away with it because that's exactly what Kavanaugh said. But when I was listening to her, I think it was like live. I don't think they were cutting it up for you. Boy, was she not impressive. I mean, they were asking her specific questions about the law and I just don't think she has I could be wrong about this, but she she doesn't seem to have a lot of experience with constitutional law, and she can't a- answer questions that if she were just just got out of law school, she would have been able to answer. So I was not impressed with her at all, and uh, I was thinking that Leandra Kruger, who was one of the other two black women who were being considered for this position, she is on the California Supreme Court. 
she would have absolutely nailed these questions and she would have been a real liberal activist ideologue. She would have really known how to stick to her, I, I would assume, to that ideology and bring it to the Supreme Court. She would have written her own um, uh, opinions for sure. There's no chance this Katanji Brown Jackson is writing her own opinions unless she's really willing to put a ton of work in. But that one of the things that she was criticized for is that her backstory is kind of like she was uh, a little bit of a drifter almost. She just doesn't have a really nose to the grindstone history. So she'd have to really change her ways and her knowledge base. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. It could be wrong. People can correct me on this, but I feel like that's what they want, obviously. But they want somebody who is not going to be tempted to write their own decision. You look at somebody like JFK and Ronald Reagan, they can be deep staters, but they had their own mind. Uh, but then you look at someone like Clinton or Obama or W, like Clinton and Obama were smart, but they were like, you know, definitely what I call dissipants. They like let let their their gifts dissipate in pursuit of pleasures. And W was like that too. So those are people who have the face job, they have the credentials, but they're really not going to start imposing their ideology on you. And so I just feel like she's I don't think there's that she's a party girl. I never read that. But I just feel like finding someone who's not capable of really mastering this stuff in real time is going to be somebody whose opinions you can write for them. And if she depends on you for her position, she's going to go go along to get along. And I think she has a history of that. Yeah, I just find it appalling that she agrees with gang rapist Brett Kavanaugh and is quoting him. Well, she wasn't quoting him. <laughs> she wasn't quoting him. Like, I, I, I'm the only one who noticed that it was what he said. And I was just thinking that he had he had paved the way for anyone to use that line because he lined it. Yeah. He, yes. But yes, I don't think he's. Yeah. And for new listeners, I should clarify that I'm being sarcastic there. As yes. And yesterday I referred to episode 111 where we went through our opinions on him and his uh, confirmation yeah. process. So, yeah, let me just throw in this Capitol riot thing. Um, it's just this guy. He's a U.S. citizen. Evan Neumann is how he'd really be pronounced, but I'm sure they pronounce it Newman. He he has such a weird storied past. His father wrote a book, Klaus Neumann, um, Farewell to Marienburg, I think it was called. And it was about his having to leave East Germany after the war, but he had been a Hitler youth. And I think he was like looking back on that time with uh, some kind of nostalgia, although his book ends with a quote that if uh, if we had not blindly followed our leaders, we could have avoided this. Good quote for sure. But this guy's story is weird. I always look to what the parents did to see if somebody's an inside job. This guy was accused of many kind of infractions on January 6th, supposedly went into exile because of that, went through different places. I think you brought this story at the time, ended up in Ukraine for a while, which is kind of weird to me, and then and learned a lot of those Eastern European languages in his life. So when I hear that, I think CIA. But he's also like a pot dealer, could be a friend. You know, I don't know. But he ended up in Belarus. It was on the front page of the of Russia Today, which I could not find on my phone's YouTube app. I like to listen to RT live streaming just for an update. I was trying to find a real update on Mariupol. And you were saying, like, why are they letting us hear it? I don't think they're letting us hear it anymore. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so this guy ended up in Belarus, sought asylum, got asylum. And it's just weird because he'd also... Uh, 
participated in the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. Do you remember all that? I don't remember that aspect of it. Wasn't he in a parade in Belarus? I don't know. If I don't have that, but there's just there was so much strange weird things. stuff yeah. in his story, and like, so the the U.S. report I heard read about him was about how he had to go through quicksand and there were snakes and yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, right. But RT says he made world news when he did an interview on Russian television uh-huh. or Belarusian television, or whatever. Um, going through all this, and we think he was tongue in cheek because that stuff's not true. And so I think he plays, well, I think he's certainly over there to play the role that they do have some Americans play to go over and say how bad America is. I remember I was shocked when Bill Clinton used to make like a million dollars a speech. And I thought, that's weird. Is this like money laundering? Like, what is this? And then I realized that the the speech I was actually investigating was a speech to Chinese people about how bad America was. So these countries will pay big bucks to get somebody to, you know, renounce and denounce the U.S. So I don't know if he's playing both sides against the middle. I can't help but think he's, I don't know, because what he said on January 6th, he was like, they let us in, they let us in, I didn't do anything wrong. So like, that sounds pretty valid. If he was a total inside job, I think he would be copping to the charges. I remember that he left before his conviction because his lawyer kind of gave him the heads up that he that was going to be convicted. Jail. Yeah, this is the thing. He's Yes, he was seeking asylum for political persecution. It's weird. It kind of makes me think of that Jeffrey Lash story. Not quite as extreme. Alan or, Jeffrey or Lash, Alan the Je- alien? Yeah. yeah, not quite as extreme or weird as that one, but just a little really? bizarre. Maybe a little bizarre, but that Jeffrey that was Alan really Lash, bizarre, yeah. Jeffrey Alan Lash was really bizarre because he had licenses for amphibious vehicles and hundreds of guns and tons of ammunition, which would not be legal to have in California. There'd be no way to get all those. He ate raw meat because he said he was an alien (laughs) hybrid. And all he would eat at the end was like raw filet mignon. He was dying of some crazy disease. I mean... And there's just no debunking there. No one can explain. And he said he was he's in a secret government program. No one could explain why all of his really highly suspect possessions were legal. Like that story is really wacky. And I can't. It's supernatural for sure. Yeah, definitely. So this was not quite that wacky, but it just is a little strange. There probably will be some more developments on this. Okay, so we've been talking a little bit about how the U.S. and Europe are trying to get around the Russian social media blocks and internet restrictions in order to get our propaganda inside of Russia, which this is a key strategic goal for Ukraine and the West. Propaganda is. Propaganda is a key strategic goal. And They've tried a series of actions to reach ordinary Russians from encouraging the use of software to circumvent the internet blocks like Signal and some of those those apps that hide where you are. And what's, what's one of the other ones? The Tor browser that CNN was promoting. And they've tried... They've tried having blocks on internet, and they've tried using TikTok influencers, which they had at the White House. I think you guys covered that last week. And... The officials did acknowledge in America that any information that did get to Russians could just be quickly dismissed by Moscow as American propaganda, which I find that to be a very <laughs> honest admission from them, which of course <laughs> yeah. it will be, because that's, right. it's what it is. Whether some of it's true or whether it's not, it still is part of a propaganda campaign. But they have a, a strategy that uh, an insider in, in the White House, unnamed, has, has given some insight about, and 
while we see all these companies pulling out of Russia, not doing business with Russia, that is the overall theme, the U.S. officials have been quietly encouraging internet service providers to stay in you in Russia, really calculating that Russians need to have the means to find this outside information. This is something that I talk about a lot when we talk about cutting off the internet. Is they might do that to disrupt things, but they're not going to keep it shut down. They're not going to completely get rid of Facebook or completely get rid of any rid of any of these communication channels because this is how they connect the world because they want to get the information to the broader public. Yeah, that Radio Free America was what Tucker Carlson's dad ran, and that was piping propaganda uh, overseas. Then don't forget the 2017 SPARS PDF that's on the Johns Hopkins website. Chapter 12 was all your eggs in one basket. And it was about what if there was an unexpected massive blackout due to, you know, like an ice storm in a, in a region that's unfamiliar with that. When you were rolling out vaccines, how would you propagandize people without electricity? So, yeah, and I agree with you, it wouldn't be permanent, but they, they certainly think of all those angles. They won't allow themselves to really lose control. That's yeah. for sure. Well, they have a tactic that they revealed where they're going to be getting celebrities, and they've already gotten at least one celebrity to do this, to speak to Russians like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who made that video the other day <laughs> that we talked about, where they're going to be using Twitter and Telegram to share messages and videos speaking about the atrocities of war. Now, Schwarzenegger oh, in the video, whose dad was a Nazi. Yes, he, and he's talking about that now. Yes, he's been very outspoken yeah. about it, and I didn't know at the time that this was apparently part of a government operation where he and other celebrities are going to be speaking these things. They literally got the son of a Nazi. And the, and the husband of a Kennedy. Yeah, to speak to the Russian people about war atrocities. Now, Schwarzenegger in his video was talking about how his father got manipulated into becoming a Nazi because he was fed fake news and lies. And he's trying to tell the Russian people, don't let Putin manipulate That's you. That's what Klaus Neumann said. Yeah, exact same type. So this is a very coordinated effort. And... Uh, an official said that he believes, a Biden administrative official said that he believes that celebrities already respected in Russia, like Schwarzenegger, are, and people trained on how to talk to their relatives will have more success than sending mass text messages or using less tailored tactics. He said, when you're dealing with somebody that's been dealing with an alternative reality, it's a bit like working to plant a conspiracy theory in a good way. You need to break the bubble with trust and choice. So you need to plant a conspiracy theory using trusted and like celebrities like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I just find it interesting that he's saying conspiracy in a good way. They're such hypocrites in the messaging. I just yes. wish people who were so bought and into this the was, tribalness they launched of this. this. Yeah. When did the World Economic Forum launch the celebrity thing? Oh, I don't know when they officially launched it. I know we covered that where they had that. I mean, article. I know they've always done it. Yeah, obviously, the existence like, of celebrity is for propaganda. And it's been that way for 100 years. Maybe two months ago, they published yeah. that article where they said they were going to be bringing in the celebrities to yeah. not just go speak there, yeah. but to actually be part of creating the policies and the ideas because they have such influence over different groups of society. Yeah. This, it wasn't about Ukraine, though, right? Right. That no, not specifically, but that ago. I forgot about that. This yeah. is absolutely part of that. Mm hmm. All right. Before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we will dig into the politics of the unvaccinated, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is that Monica thinks the news should 
self-censor when it comes to this. And the deep fake war continues. But before we get to that, do us a favor and check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash propaganda report. Patreon is one of the many ways we fund the show, and we do lots of cool and informative stuff on there. In fact, we publish bonus content every single weekday. So regardless of what tier you sign up for, you're getting premium content from us every day during the week. And on top of that exclusive content, you'll get this show, The Drive Time at News Blast, Monday through Thursday, and on some Fridays, ad-free. We take the ads out, we remove them for our subscribers, giving you the DNB plus the Premium XR, a full hour of listening with no commercial breaks. You're going to get that regardless of the tier that you sign up for. We also give subscribers premium interviews, early releases, patron-only Q&As, plus you'll have access to the two of us as well as the Propaganda Report Patreon community, which is highly interactive, highly engaging, and quite attractive. You'll get all of this premium content for just 7 bucks a month and And for those thirsty for even more premium content, we have more tiers offering live stream interactive content, shout outs, one-on-one Zoom calls, and our highly popular Zoom roundtables where we bring in experts in subjects like online privacy, homeschooling, living off the grid to share their insights with our Patreon community and have a discussion with us. It's very cool. And finally, some of you might have noticed that some ads have been popping up in our shows of late. You may like some of the ads. You may dislike some of the ads. We don't choose what the ads are. We are upfront about our content and then if they are okay with our content then the ad is then placed they in no way affect our content but the fact is we got to pay the bills and it helps us to pay the bills if y'all let these ads play through it'll be at most between two and two and a half minutes if you compare that to not even at once i think it'll be a couple times maybe before and, and somewhere in the middle but if you compare that to when we were on WSB radio and we did a three hour show, that show had an hour and a half of ads. It was maddening. So this is much better than that. And if you like the show and you do want to support the show, but you don't want to sign up for a subscription or one of our subscription offerings, or you aren't in a position to do that at the moment, this is a way that you can support the show a very easy way and help us fund the show by simply letting the ads that you hear play through. And if you ever get tired of them, then you can sign up for one of our subscription offers. So that's a very simple way to really, really, really help us out. We do have to fund the show. Again, most daily shows have, daily news shows have a huge production team and a huge budget. We have neither. So it does help us out if you do allow those ads to play through. Okay, now on to our deepest dive of the day. So I've read, normally I, I really do a lot of research, but in this case, the research was done for us because it was an article. I, you know, it's really funny because no matter how bad things got, I always went to CNN or Fox to get the news of the day. But now I find myself going to RT. <laughs> so, which isn't as easy as it used to be. Your computer has to think about it for a little while, write your name down and check you for COVID or whatever. But it takes a while to get there. But anyway, so I saw this article, which I would not have seen, I don't think, on CNN or Fox. But the article is, it was a poll, vaccinated people are more likely to support harsh anti-Russia measures. And it was by a company. It was... It said uh, the subtitle was a survey conducted in Canada suggests the unvaxxed have much more diverse opinions on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It says a survey conducted by polling firm Ecos, E-K-O-S, in case anyone's familiar with that, it says they show that Canadians 
who have received three or more doses of a COVID-19 vaccine, so they're getting boosted people, tended to express significantly more support for aggressive anti-Russian measures with regard to the ongoing military conflict in Ukraine. That's, of course, doesn't say Putin's invasion of Ukraine because it was on RT. The poll was conducted between March 9th and 13th, so about one to two weeks ago. And it was responses from a random sample of 1,035 Canadians. Ends up that more than 80% of the vaccinated respondents, so the boosted people, supported expanding sanctions, seizing assets of Russian nationals associated with Putin, cutting off shipments of Russian oil, and sending military equipment to Ukraine. Over half the group agreed with the idea of sending military jets to the Ukrainian army, and 30% thought Canada should dispatch its own military forces to Ukraine. That's kind of crazy. So um, 82% of vaccinated respondents felt that Canada should impose tougher sanctions on Russia, even if it means they would have to suffer higher prices and slower economic growth at home. I mean, why? Why? What do they think they're up to? It's anyway. this whole patriotic duty to go to the gas pump and pay more for gas because you're standing with Ukraine and doing so. But, I mean, how did they even get us to care about that? I mean, I wrote a, an article and I did care about Ukraine because I saw that it was a danger and a, a provocation. But I wrote an article, I think, in 2015 that said, why do we care? Like, why do you care about Crimea? Like, why? And no one can answer the question. Right. It's tough. They personalize it with that propaganda you showing the dead babies and everything the atrocities and they then they make it tribal by making it kind of uh mirroring what we have here trump the people who like trump are the people who question what's going on in ukraine like QAnon type people and the people who question the vaccine that's where they stand and then the people who don't are on the other side of it so it's just like you put a new issue out there and when you when you see where the people that you're supposed to stand with align they just fall in line with that group of people that's absolutely true, because they also have the flip side of the coin. And I actually disagree with you on on that for the flip side. I agree with you on that for the majority. But it says respondents who said I'll get to that respondents who said they were unvaccinated seem to have differing opinions with the majority. So that already tells you that they are not all on the same page, whereas the yeah, right. boosted people are. Uh, the majority, 52 percent, say they don't support any of the anti-Russian measures mentioned by the pollsters. 75 percent say they refuse to pay the price by having prices at home skyrocket. Now, I don't know if we get to refuse to pay the price because the, the price is being paid. I think the, I think gas is seven dollars here. As I mentioned before, it's been vacillating around that number. The poll also revealed how the two groups feel about the reasons for the conflict. 88% of vaccinated respondents said the repression of Russian speakers in the Donbass region does not justify Russia's actions in Ukraine. I would like them to those people to really quantify what that repression has meant over eight years. And I would like some truth over what Russia's actually. Yeah, doing I would like to response. hear any explanation of an understanding yes. of it. So they don't know. The unvaccinated, however, are more split on the question. 26% saying Russia's military operation is justified. 27% saying it isn't. So they have strong opinions and they're equal on which way it goes. And I understand that. 35% say they neither agree nor disagree because they know that they don't effing know. Like, right. The unvaccinated people are coming out better across the board. Um, it says the vaccinated are almost unanimous up to 90%. 
88% that Russia is guilty of war crimes in Ukraine, while only 32% of unvaccinated respondents, which they called vaccine refusers, by the way, vaccine refusers, as it reported, agreed. And 42%, so 30, only 32% of unvaxxed respondents agreed with the 88, 88% of boosted that Russia is guilty of war crimes. 42% of the unvaccinated say they don't believe it is happening at all. Now, I don't know if that was the war or the atrocities, but 42% of unvaccinated people don't believe something, either the atrocities or the war is happening at all, which is a valid position. I can't hear you. At least happening at all in the way that it's being presented to us through the te- television. I, I looked, I read, I went back. I could not find any clarification. We only have that that. That thing. And we I've don't been, know what they meant. Yeah, I've been hearing war crimes thrown around a lot. I've yet to hear a definition of war crimes from any people on TV talking about it. Even the atrocity propaganda would qualify as war crimes if you believed it. But yep. we don't believe it, right? Yeah. So, okay, so the president of ECOS, Frank Graves, who I think was shocked and horrified by the results here, um, but he twisted it in a way that I think flies in the face of all of this that we're talking about, these people have split positions on it. They often don't know what they don't. They know what they don't know, whereas the vaccinated people are in to a person absolutely on board with what the mainstream media is saying. So Graves, the president of the polling company, said he found the poll results alarming, suggesting that vaccine refusers were much more sympathetic to Russia. And it showcased the highly corrosive influence of disinformation. Uh huh. On the on the unvaccinated people who had a completely diverse view, they were not all in. You know what I mean? So whatever. We don't want diversity of opinion. We just want diversity when it comes to racial terms, gender and all that. That's how they look at diversity. This is definitely a new and bluntly insidious force that's contributing to polarization and disinformation and poor decision making. Like we should send troops to Russia. If you disagree with that, it's a bad decision. It doesn't seem to be going away. Things are getting worse, Graves said. Now, um, he finally, this is the last word. He says, I don't think this is because people have an ingrained sympathy to Russians. They're reading this online. They're consuming this from the same sources that were giving them the anti-vax stuff. Yep. They link it all together. And I would say it's the absolute opposite, that unvaccinated people are able to think and discern and resist propaganda, which I think it comes out. Exactly the problem that they're trying to solve are these people who think for themselves. They don't want people thinking for them. They're going to have concentration camps for anybody who asks questions if the world were perfect for them. I don't think they'll get away with that, but they will try roundabout ways to punish people economically over here. The way they're doing over there to prevent people from speaking out through the corporations, through the global fascism. Uh, Others have interpreted the poll results as a prime example of how quickly mainstream media narratives can change and how easily the masses transfer zealous support from one topic to another, according to the crisis of the day. That was obviously the RT Russia Today editorializing that what we're really talking about is that you brainwashed your 88 percent of the population so thoroughly. Well, it's not 88 percent of the population. It's we don't know how many of the respondents were boosted and how many were considered unvaccinated or vaccine refusers. But they're saying that what you're really doing is identifying a group of people who will buy everything hook, line and sinker. And then you can even change out what it is that you're telling them. But they're on a platter being delivered. 
delivered every time. That's exactly what it is. And then you can use those people as digital mobs, maybe even in-person mobs through protest to pressure the people who do ask questions. One of the first glossary entries I ever did was manufacturing advocacy. It's not manufacturing consent. It's manufacturing advocacy. Yeah, it goes back to that New York Times article last week where they said we live in a time now where people are participating in their own propaganda. They're active participants. Oh. Yeah, I saw that coming. All right. A couple of shout outs. We I actually last week I made a mistake. Uh, Mr. Agarwal is the founder of Feedspot and he contacted us to let us know that we are number 30 on their list of top 60 news shows on Feedspot, and we're in good company. So I was complimented by that. Uh, I also wanted to mention a couple of meetups. I actually said at the beginning of the show, Connecticut, but the Connecticut meetup is today, and there's absolutely no way that you will hear this before that meetup because it was during the day. But there is a meetup on March 25th, which is Three days from now in Portland, Oregon, it is a post mandate assembly for higher side chat listeners. But propaganda report people are always welcome there. They always find like minded people. It's at Dick's Primal Burger Woodstock on Woodstock Boulevard in Portland. So check that out. And I have some meetups coming up. The first one that is happening, I'm pretty sure I just have to make sure I can get a place. It would be the evening of Sunday, April 3rd, in probably the Watertown area. April 8th, I'll be in New York. Maybe I'll do one there in Rockland County. And then April 16th in Sherman Oaks. All these places I need to confirm the location. Very cool. We did come up with an idea for a live propaganda report meetup here in Atlanta, although we'd have to be very careful and very very respectful about it. But it was, this was during the live stream the other day, it was a walking tour of CNN, the CNN tour. That That's a great idea. Live stream our tour. But we'd be very nice about it. Ask questions and I'm sure they'll be that happy. That would to be super cool. I doubt they would let you live stream it, but it would be interesting to hear your reports on it. Yeah. Anyway, maybe. regardless. So maybe we'll do that. That might be cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right. Thank you, Monica. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that I was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our tiers there. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic Share the Show Tuesday.